God praise. Come on. Give him a shout of praise. Give God your highest praise. Come on. He's good. Would you just give your neighbor a high five and tell them that you like the way they smell? Because uh, they smell good. I wanted to start out just first off talking to you about kingdom builders. Kingdom builders, maybe you remember if you were here at the end of last year when we took our end of the year miracle offering for kingdom builders. Uh, that's the, the outreach effort, kingdom builders. It's how we send missionaries around the world. It's how we reach out into our community. It's how we sponsor different programs and try to make a difference really. And it's giving that is voluntary. Uh, whereas we give our tithes because we believe the first 10% belongs to God. Whether we give it or not, the first 10% belongs to God. But then when we give above and beyond that, because the Holy Spirit leads us, you know, we have an opportunity to make a difference in the world. And also we receive extra blessing from God as we are generous. Kingdom Builders is voluntary giving. And you have a, a card in your seat in front of you. It's called, it says Kingdom Builders on there. Just grab that. Everybody grab that. Get one in your hand man, woman, and child. And just hold that card for a minute with me and just look at it. This is a, an opportunity. We're gonna come next week and we're gonna give our pledges for the year for Kingdom Builders. This is what we do is we make just monthly pledges. You can give monthly, you can give weekly. And this is just really something where you need to ask God to speak to you about what you should do. Kingdom Builders, I think, is just an important aspect of being a Christian that we should all make, a, be, make an effort and be willing to go and make a difference in the world. And so really, as we pray this week, I want you to take this card home. Um, don't do anything with it yet. Put it in your Bible. If you're a guy, give it to your wife to put it in your, her purse and, or, or your purse, just depending, whatever. I'm not going to judge. And then take it home um, and pray about what God would have you to do. Maybe it's just to give up something, to give up you know, one pizza a month and give 15 extra dollars a month or, or just a few extra dollars here or there, or 500 extra, I don't know. It's between you and God based on what you can do or maybe, maybe it's nothing, um, that's okay. But just pray about it and see what God would have you to do. I met a little girl this week who was eight years old named Emma Hoffman. And this last year she raised over $2,000 for the Boys and Girls Missionary Club. It's awesome, yeah. And uh, you might be kind of like, you know, a pessimist, like, well, she has no bills, you know, but she also has no job, right? But let me tell you what she did have. She has faith. She had faith that if she was willing to make a difference, to be used by God, she had a generous heart. She believed that God would make it possible for her to follow that desire to be generous. And that's really what we want you to do is to make a faith promise. A faith promise is basically saying, I want to give and be generous. I'm gonna have faith that God will enable me to do that. And as he allows me to, as he provides, I am going to give above and beyond to kingdom builders. If he doesn't provide, if he doesn't make it possible for you, then don't do it. But if he provides, you're gonna be able to be generous as God leads you. So pray about that. And I'm excited about what God is gonna do through our church as we invest in his kingdom. Amen? Amen. We're starting this new series today called Jesus Drops the Mic. Yes. 
Are you excited, I mean, for a new series of teaching? I sometimes um, get very excited, uh, a little too excited maybe, um, start speeding on the way to church, as I was told today, um, got called out, that's okay. And um, that's the adrenaline that's pumping, I'm just excited. Dropping the mic, I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase, maybe you haven't been in as, as many rap battles as I have. Um, but the mic drop is, is something that comes when you say something so profound, something so stunning that there is really no appropriate response necessary. You just literally just say what you're going to say, you hold your mic out, and you drop it. You just walk away because the conversation's over at that point, right? I'm not going to drop this mic because it's too expensive, but yes, probably something that we all need to hear are the hard sayings that Jesus spoke in his word. He said some things that, that sometimes were just so difficult to understand and wrap your mind around that the disciples even said uh, that they didn't really know what to do with it. Like in John chapter six, it says his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? I mean, so they're there, they're, you know, 2,000 years ago listening to Jesus teach, and he is dropping some truth bombs on them, and they didn't even know what to do with themselves. They said, this is a, this is a hard thing you're talking about here, Jesus. I don't, even, I don't even know what to do with this. And we read in this passage that many of the disciples, they left Jesus and abandoned him as he said some of these things and as he taught some things. We're going to look at some of these sayings over the next few weeks. These are some of the head scratchers in the word of God that you read. And you're like, I don't even know exactly what that means. And, and that's okay, honestly. Jesus said some things that his disciples didn't even understand until years later. These are some of the hard lessons of being a Christian and following Jesus Christ. And... Uh, we need to understand these things in our lives. Even though it's not always easy, even though some of these things are not what you want to hear, these are not necessarily the teachings that you would put on the promotional brochure for following Jesus. But nonetheless, every word that he spoke is for our benefit and is true, right? So I'm gonna start today with a, a message titled, Losing is Living. Losing is Living. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Usually in life, when you lose, you lose. Unless you're on the biggest loser, in which case, when you lose, you might win. But, but normally, when you lose, you just end up with less. Yet there are a few exceptions. In the kingdom of God, when you lose, you actually, you actually gain. In Mark chapter 8, verses four, uh, 34 and 35, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Jesus said this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Let me read that again. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So Jesus tells us we've got to take up our cross and follow him. And maybe you're wondering, well, what, is, what does that even mean? And I, I'm not surprised that it could be confusing to you. If you've been around church for a while, though, you've probably heard a phrase like that. You know, bearing your cross. Uh, this is my cross to bear. 
right? This is the problem when you're around church too long and you start to hear too much Christianese, right? That's how Christians talk. And they'll say, you know, they'll just kind of use these phrases in a casual way and cause them to start losing their meaning. And I've heard people do this, you know, like, well, that's my cross to bear. You know, this, that's the thing I have to struggle with. So it's like really anything that they're struggling with is now, you know, well, I, I can't have gluten. That's my cross to bear. Yeah, I'm just trying to serve God nonetheless. It kind of loses its, its meaning. But the original understanding was very different and it was very serious and very profound. Back in the culture when Jesus spoke, the cross was a torture device. It was literally a symbol of execution. And so here they are, the Jewish people, they're living under oppression from the Roman government and they're waiting for their Messiah to come and deliver them from Rome. They're waiting for the Messiah to come as a hero and set them free. Jesus shows up. Jesus comes onto the scene. He says, I'm the son of God. He says, I am the Messiah that you've been waiting for. And they're getting excited. People are getting really excited. Now the idea that Jesus has come, finally, the Messiah is here. They're gonna, they're gonna, he's gonna overthrow Rome. He's gonna set them free at last. And they're gonna be in a whole new position of just glory, living in God's freedom. It's gonna be great. And then all of a sudden, Jesus gets arrested. He gets led to die, carrying his cross along the way. Now, when he says, take up your cross and follow me, maybe you have an understanding for the meaning of that, that he was basically inviting them to come follow him to public execution and possibly a painful death. You know, we get inundated with advertising everywhere we go, right? It's everywhere. You can't even watch a YouTube video without having to watch a commercial. It's everywhere, it's on the signs and, and everyone, every company, everyone is trying to sell you saying, here's why you should want what I have. This is what we can do for you. Contrast that with what Jesus says in Mark chapter eight. Jesus basically says to his disciples, come, take up your cross, follow me and die. I mean, that's pretty intense. Maybe your friend brought you to church today, invited you, turn to him right now and just say, I thought you said your pastor is cool, man. You tricked me. This guy's crazy like some John the Baptist locust eating crazy man. What you talking about up in here? Come on, I know right now maybe you're nervous. You brought a friend this morning. You're like, come check out my church. It's gonna be great. You're gonna love it. You're like, pastor, tell them about the fun stuff, right? Tell them about the church picnics. Tell them about the meat fest at the men's retreat. Tell them about all the good things we do. And, and I love the fun stuff. I love the exciting, the easy, the good parts about following Jesus. But we have to understand and apply the hard things before we can enjoy the fun things when it comes to following Jesus. If we're not careful, we can get into this mindset where we come to church looking for a good customer service experience. Well, I like this sermon, but the customer service was terrible. Let me get on Yelp real quick and let people know. If we're not careful, we can get into the mindset that God exists for my happiness. When the reality is, I exist to give God glory. And we give God glory by enjoying his goodness and his love, but we also may be called to give him glory through suffering. And that's not something that 
we necessarily want to think about. So let me just ask you, maybe you've never thought about this. We do live in America, so this is not a reality for most of us. But let me ask you this question. Would you lose your life for Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? If I had to choose between Jesus and life, what would I do? Would I deny him or would I, would I still declare that I follow him even if it resulted in my own loss of life? Would you be willing to lose your life for Jesus? Not, not in a weird way, not in a, I hope I get to be a martyr kind of way. Nobody wants to have to die. Nobody wants to do that. But this was a very real and, and present danger in the lives of the disciples. They all understood that this was a reality. Peter, he followed Jesus and was crucified. We know that Paul, the, the apostle, was beheaded. And Andrew, he was killed by being pierced with spears. And if you go down the list of disciples, you see they were burnt to death. They were clubbed to death. They were stoned. They knew what it meant to take up their cross and follow Jesus to the death. When you pick up your cross and you follow Jesus, it's possible that it could result in your suffering. You know, not today. And this is not a reality for most of us because we live in America where we can worship freely, amen? I mean, we're grateful for that. We give God thanks for that. But what if that changed? What would, what would change then for you in your life? Yet, following Jesus is one of the very few places where you can actually gain by losing. Is this a hard teaching? Yeah, it is. It is a hard teaching. It's something that we don't want to think about. And we actually, in the same passage, John chapter 6, where the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can, explain, who can you know, accept this? Jesus, it says, went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So Jesus is teaching these things and talking about the suffering that might come when you follow him. And the disciples are there. There's this whole crowd of disciples who had been following Jesus, listening to his teaching. Some of them were there for the free lunch, you know, because you heard about the fishes and the loaves and all that. So you're like, I can get a free lunch. People love free food. Jesus starts talking now about you might lose your life, take up your cross. And some people are like, uh, I did not uh, sign up for that. So Jesus uh, turns to his 12 disciples, like, so are you going to leave me too? You, gonna, and I, you ever feel like that when people are bailing on you? You want to look at your other friends and just say, what up, you going to leave me too? But Peter, I love Peter because he's a realist. Peter is a realist. I can, I can just see the wheels turning in his mind, actually. Like, you know, I used to be a fisherman, and now um, Jesus is talking about uh, the cross, so should I leave him? But he's a realist, right? And he's real. I, I love it. He's real, just like you and me, okay? So, so we all have these kinds of fears. We all have this kind of doubt that we wrestle with. But then he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? In other words, he's saying, yeah, this is hard. This might be really, I might lose my life, but when you think about the options, this is the only option. 
You alone, Lord, you alone have the words of eternal life. This might be a hard option, but it's the only option. It's either following you or nothing. It's a difficult choice. It's radical. But I want you to know that the Jesus life is a radical life. It's a radical life from the get-go. This radical life God first gave to us with radical generosity. This Jesus life, it's a radical life. God, he loved us with a radical love. Jesus, he sacrificed his own body. He sacrificed his position of glory in heaven because he had a radical desire to save people from their sins. And now we're called to follow him in his footsteps and give radically and love radically and serve with this radical type of devotion that God has shown us. The problem is that when people start talking about being radical as a Christian, usually um, they're kind of crazy, okay? And it, it gets kind of concerning, and maybe you're a little nervous right now, like what is Pastor Ryan about to ask me to do? Don't be nervous. We don't want to be crazy just for the sake of being crazy. But when you think about what God has done for you, when you think about how Jesus has loved you, and you follow him in this radical life, you might just look crazy to other people. That's just the way it is. You, you might. In Revelation chapter three, Jesus is speaking to the church in Laodicea and he says, but since you are lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. See, God has this thing where he's, he's saying, you know, I don't want lukewarm followers. You're not hot, you're not cold. Both hot and cold have a purpose. Cold water is so, it's refreshing and, and, and it quenches our thirst and it feels so good on a hot day. Hot water also serves a purpose. It, it soothes us and it's comforting, but lukewarm water, nobody wants that. Nobody wants room temperature water. And God, he as well, he says, I don't want lukewarm followers. There is no excuse. There's no excuse for being a lukewarm follower. That is frustrating to God. We don't want that. And let's be honest, we don't have time to just be lukewarm Christians. We don't have time to go through the motions. Our lives are too short. There are too many people in this world dying. There are too many people in this world living a hopeless life for us to go through the motions as lukewarm followers of Christ. We are called to live a radical life for Jesus. When you pick up your cross and follow Jesus, you will live a radical life and you will live with radical expectation. Do you live a life of radical expectation? Did you come to church today expecting God to do something in your life? I came expecting him to do something crazy. What about you? Yeah, you, are you ready for God to do something crazy in your life? I mean, they talk about this, this expectation gap. Have you ever heard anyone talk about that? They say that frustration exists in the gap between your expectations and reality. When you expect something, but it doesn't come to be, you end up disappointed and frustrated. And so the common advice that the world gives is keep your expectations low. That way, you won't be as likely to be disappointed. You know, keep your expectations low. You can't really hope for all that. This is the message for 
the ladies that you'll hear from the world. As you're getting older and you want to get married, you'll hear, you got to lower your expectations. You can't expect a guy to be good looking and to love God and to have a job and to treat you right. Come on, get real. You get to choose two of the four, all right? So lower your expectations. Otherwise, you're going to end up you're going to end up frustrated. But I think that God gets frustrated that our expectations are not high enough. The world says, keep your expectations low so you won't be disappointed. God says, keep your expectations high and I won't disappoint you. And, and I just think the reality is that your bed is too comfortable. You did not wake up early and come to church today to sit and listen to a lecture. You didn't just come here to watch other people sing. You came to church today because you need something. You came because you need God to do something radical in your life. Maybe you don't even know God. Maybe you're like, I don't even know what it is I need. I don't even know why it is I'm so frustrated and feel so lost, but I just need something. And I thought this is a church and maybe I could find something here. And God brought you here for a reason. Maybe you're a Christian and you feel like your life has been lukewarm. And maybe you came to church today thinking, maybe God will do something in my life today. I need him to do something today. I, I need him to do something radical in my marriage. I need him to do something radical with my children. They're a nightmare. I need God. I, I'm expecting, but honestly, I'm just hoping that he'll do something. Do you know that we want this? We want this, this fresh outpouring of God's, his spirit and his anointing in our lives. And I believe that we can have it, but I want you to know that it's up to you. Do you know that? that it's up to you, honestly. God is always willing to pour out a fresh anointing of his spirit if you want it. God is always willing to touch your life in a new way when you are ready for it. That's why we need to live a life of radical celebration. Radical celebration. I heard a recent, uh, recently an a author and a doctor and a motivational speaker, a friend of mine, he said, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. I want you to know that you're celebrated here at this church, that we love you that we celebrate you and the fact that you even chose to come to church today. I, I believe honestly that you are well on your way to winning at life. Just the fact that you came to church today, I celebrate you. I celebrate what God has done in your life. I celebrate your story, even if it's still messy, even if your past is broken, I celebrate what God is going to do in your life. You are celebrated here. This is a biblical concept to go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. When Jesus sent his disciples out to spread the gospel, he sent them out two by two. And he said, any town, any village that does not receive you and your message will shake the dust off your feet and move on. Shake the dust off your feet. That was a, you know, an old school way of saying, you know, just be done with it. Just shake it off and move on. I, got, I, I have a question. I wondered about this this week. If God was watching one of our services here at, Generation Church, would he say, Generation Church is passionately celebrating me? Or would he say, Generation Church is pleasantly tolerating me? Ask yourself this question. Do I passionately celebrate or pleasantly tolerate? Do you come to church and politely endure it? 
Do you come to church with the attitude that God should thank you for being here or to thank him for bringing you here? There's a real difference. I think about my friend, um, maybe if you were here last year, you remember when he came to speak to us, his name was Kagan Wesley, and he shared his testimony that he had been trapped in a life of sin and, and a homosexual lifestyle and, and doing drugs and just hurting and broken and had been abused. And it all changed for him when he went to a church service and he was standing just down in the, in the room and he was watching people worship God. And he said, I saw so much joy on their faces and genuine love in their hearts that I knew that this is what I was looking for. I knew this is what I needed. And he said, I was crying. The mascara was streaming down his face. And he gave his life to Jesus. Let me ask you this. If an unbeliever, if someone who didn't know God was sitting next to you in church, would they even want what you have? Or would they say, would he or she say, oh, I might as well just go to Glendale because there are happier people in the Cardinals stadium. Am I allowed to be this challenging at church on Super Bowl Sunday? I know it's supposed to be a day of celebration. If it's okay, just say challenge us and I'll keep going. And so because of our radical celebration and the attitude that we want to have, we need to be ready for a radical response. A radical, how many of you are leaders in some capacity? You're a life group leader, you're a leader on a volunteer team at work. Um, honestly, it's kind of a trick question, I, I gotta be honest, because if you're a Christian, you're a leader in my opinion because you serve a purpose to lead other people to Jesus. And if you're a parent, you're a leader because you lead your children to grow and to know God and to flourish in him. So it's, it's kind of a trick question, I'll be honest. You're all leaders. And do you know that leaders are vocal? When you're watching the football game this afternoon, tonight, you're gonna notice something. Who are the most vocal people at any given time? The leaders, the captains on the offense and the defense, the coaches, they're constantly yelling out words of encouragement. They're yelling out correction and warnings. They're, they're telling each other, it's gonna be a blitz. It's gonna be a blitz. It's gonna be, gonna be a pass, move. They're constantly talking. They're constantly speaking. And when we come into God's presence to have church together, we need to be radically vocal for God as leaders. We need to be ready to respond to what God is doing in our hearts. When you're vocal in church, whether it's singing during the time of worship or whether it's during the time of preaching right now when you respond and, and make noise, some of you can be like, hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord, I like that, mm-hmm, come on, preach it, white boy, whatever it might be for you, you can respond. And in fact, you're not just allowed to respond, you're expected to respond in some way. And it's not to celebrate a pastor, it's not to celebrate a preacher or a, a worship leader or any kind of person on the stage, it's to celebrate God and his goodness and the truth that he has spoken in his word and the miracles that he has done in your life. You're responding to him when you hear something from his word that encourages you. You can do it right now. Come on, lift up a shout of praise to God. Give God your praise. And you might, all right, settle down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you might say, well, that's just not me. That's not, that's not my style. That's not my personality. But passion is a product of position, not personality.
Passion is a product of position, not personality. Your position dictates that your life should be filled with passion for what God has done. Your position. You used to have a position of being lost, of being broken, of living in the shame of sin. But through Jesus, your position has been changed. You have become forgiven. You have been made righteous in God's sight. You have become a son and a daughter of God. You've become royalty through what Jesus has done for you. Your position is entirely different. Rather than being broken and lost, you've been made whole and complete through Jesus. And that is why we should be passionate, whether our personality would dictate that or not, because our position does dictate that passion should be present in our life. So when you're wondering, am I allowed to be vocal in church? The answer is yes. Just like James Bond had a license to kill, you got a license to praise. You got a license to preach. You have a license to declare that God is good at any given time. We got some people in this church that are good at giving God some feedback, don't we? Brad, you're good. Amen, right? Because you know what God has done, don't you? Can you say it a little louder so they can hear you in the back? That's right. That's what I'm talking about. See, when you respond to what God is speaking, you're not only encouraging the people next to you, you're encouraging your own heart and your own soul. You came to church today because you needed to be encouraged probably. You can encourage yourself. You can encourage and celebrate each other, the people that are sitting next to you in this seat, in the room around you here. You can make a joyful noise to God. And this is not a matter of your background. You might think, well, I grew up Presbyterian. We don't do that. I grew up Lutheran. We don't, I grew up Catholic. I grew up, it's not a matter of your background, whether you're coming from a black gospel background or a Baptist background. This is not a matter of culture. It's a biblical pattern. Scripture says, come into his presence with thanksgiving in your hearts and give him praise. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Lift up a shout of praise. Clap your hands, all you people. Man, the Lord, the Lord tells us over and over again that our life should be a life of radical celebration when we follow Jesus. And I know that for some people, you might kind of shirk that idea a little bit, and, and, and it's just, it's not me. It's, it's undignified. It's, but you got to look at the life of King David in scripture. He was the master warrior and the master worshiper. And those two are connected. Because he was a great worshiper, God did amazing things in his life. And there was one point where he worshiped God with so much passion and so much vigor. The Bible says that he danced himself out of his own clothes. <laughs> do not do that. Okay. We don't need any wardrobe malfunctions up in here. That's why you got yourself a belt and buttons and we got much better constructed clothing today. So that's not a problem. But he was dancing before the Lord. He danced himself right out of his toga, I guess. And his wife is there, like, like a good wife. Maybe she meant well, you know, because your wife is there. God brings her into your life as a helper and to encourage you and to sometimes correct you. Thank you, Jesus. I need that. We all need that. And his wife was there. And yet in this moment, she didn't understand his passion and his celebration and his response to God. And she said, you are a king. You cannot act like this. You need to be more dignified. And I love David's response, right? He said, boo, you ain't seen nothing yet. He said, I'm going to become even more undignified than this. 
See, I would encourage you to lose your dignity and claim your victory, the victory that you have in Jesus. And as you do that, as you celebrate and as you respond to God, you'll find that he encourages you, that he fills you again, that he recharges your soul. And that's why we can give God praise. We can give him our highest praise as scripture discusses. So I just wanna let you know that this is that kind of church. If you came to church to check this place out and you were looking for a nice, pleasant, tolerable TED Talk, this isn't for you. But if you came here because you want to celebrate what God has done in your life, because you know that God is good, because Jesus has changed you, well, then you're in the right place. That's why we're here. Come on. So because of our radical lifestyle, we need to be vocal in church, but we also need to be vocal in the world, in the world. And I'm not talking about posting Facebook stuff about the hot political topic of the day. Can I just say that I have never met anyone who as a result of social media postings has said, you're right. You have completely changed my opinion. I will go and meditate on this and change my life. Thank you. I have seen people who already agree with me confirm my opinion. And I've seen a lot of people who don't agree with me get mad. When, but I've never seen that really make a difference in someone's life. That's not the kind of vocal I'm talking about. I'm talking about something like this. I was at lunch with a friend of mine last week, Larry. And he, we were about to pray for our food. And you know, I was ready to dive in because you guys know how I feel about food. And... Uh, Larry stops and he says to our server, he says, um, Alexis, that's his name. We're about to pray for our food. Is there anything which we can pray for you about? And he, he was a little taken off, you know, off. Was, uh, for a good tip? No, he didn't say that. He said, <laughs> he just kind of paused for a minute. He was like, pray for my family. You know, I don't even know if he, if he knows God or if he does. Maybe he was struggling or hurting. I don't even know if our prayer made any difference in his life. We left and, and I probably will never see him again, but, but who knows? Are you willing to go out of your way to be vocal in the world, to maybe make a difference in someone's life? Are you willing to maybe lose some privacy to give someone else the peace that they need desperately? Would you lose a few minutes of peace and quiet to help someone else find the gift of eternal life through Jesus. I know that this is radical what we're talking about today, but the Jesus life is a radical life. He said, take up your cross and follow me and die. That's why Paul the apostle, he wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, I die daily. And the truth is you might not face persecution in this, in this country, but you are called to die. We're called to die to our flesh and our sinful nature. And so every time we read in scripture, one of the apostles or Jesus talking about dying as we follow him, we can still apply that to ourselves because we all must daily die to our sinful flesh and our nature. I saw this in Romans 8, 13. It won't be on the screen, but listen, it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. This is mirroring what Jesus said, whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. 
There is this radical difference between Jesus and the world. You see in scripture over and over again, the world has this very clear message. The world says, love yourself, and Jesus says, lose yourself. Lose yourself. Deny yourself. This is so different from the message of the world, right? I mean, we, we normally are seeing Katy Perry in the halftime show talking about, I'm a firework, I got the eye of the tiger, hear me. I mean, she wants us to love ourselves, and that's great, but Jesus has a different message. He says, I love you, and I'm calling you to lose yourself, to deny yourself. And he says, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever's willing to lose his life for my sake will save it. But we struggle, we struggle as Christians, we all do with ongoing sin. And I, and I wanna talk about that. All of us, we've struggled with that before where maybe you know, in this effort to follow God, you've been frustrated at times that maybe you haven't grown as fast as you wish that you would. Maybe you find yourself doing things that you know are wrong and you wanna stop, but you feel like, ah, I haven't been able to do that. You need to understand this teaching where Jesus says, take up your cross, deny yourself. Maybe you struggle with some type of ongoing sin in your life. Maybe it's alcohol abuse or drug abuse or pornography. Or maybe you just are neglecting someone that you should be giving more attention to. Or maybe there's a selfishness in your heart. Jesus says, pick up your cross, deny yourself, and come follow me. Be willing to put to death the old sinful person, so that more of me might be present in you, that you might be more like Christ and less like the old version of you before Christ. And as you do that, you experience the true life that God wants for you. There's an old song that says, for I am crucified with Christ and yet I live. Not I, but Christ who lives within me. That's some Phillips, Craig, and Dean right there. If you know Phillips, Craig, and Dean, you're OG Christian. You've been around for, some, for a while. But this is based on Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is what Jesus meant when he said, whoever will lose his life will save it. If you're willing to put your old self to death, you will save your life by following Jesus. This is what it means. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Are you willing to lose in order to live? But think about this. What are we really losing when we deny ourselves? I mean, honestly, what am I really losing? Am I losing, you know, my own selfish heart, my own bad attitude, my own sinfulness, the shame that, that I would carry? What, what am I really afraid of, of losing? I know it's not always easy to deny yourself, but I've got so much more to gain than I will ever lose. I gain eternal life. I gain freedom in Christ. I gain forgiveness. I gain becoming a son and a daughter of God. I wanna say that the reason that some of you might not enjoy the life you're living is because you haven't embraced a lifestyle of dying. In Philippians 3, 10 through 11, Paul writes, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. 
resurrection from the dead. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to, I, I want to die if that's what it takes. I want to die to myself if that's what it takes so that I will know him in his power, his resurrecting power that changes me, that changes my life. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give you an abundant life. That is a life that is full and overflowing, overflowing with joy and peace and love and hope. This is the life that God does want to give you. But I want you to know that the full life comes through embracing daily death. Whoever loses his life will save it. That's why losing really is living. When you're willing to put the old self behind you, to deny him so that more of Christ might live in you. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads for a minute, just a privacy. Maybe you're here today, and even though this is a hard message and Jesus gave a hard teaching, he says to take up your cross and follow me. The reason that he went to the cross to die was because every single one of us has sinned and our sin separates us from God. Jesus came to this earth and he lived a perfect life, which qualified him to pay the penalty for our sins. He didn't have to pay any of his own penalty. He was righteous and innocent, and yet he chose to become our sin on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And the way we experience this forgiveness is by accepting it and placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, just asking him for his forgiveness. Maybe you're here today and you need to do that and take that step of faith. Between you and God, I wanna give you a chance to do that today. I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way, but it's important to respond if you feel that desire in your heart today. You feel maybe the Holy Spirit pulling on you, calling you to Jesus, to a different life. Maybe you'd say, I've I've been doing it my way and I'm ready to follow Jesus wherever it may take me. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I know that I've sinned and I believe that you died on the cross so that I could be forgiven. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you rose again three days later so that I could have eternal life and that I will be with you forever in glory. Thank you for loving me. In your name I pray, amen. If you pray that prayer and you meant it, I wanna celebrate with you. I'm gonna ask you to shoot your hand up on the count of three so we can all celebrate what God has done in your life. One, I know that you came here today for a reason. Two, we wanna love you and enjoy this life that God has for you together. Three, just shoot a hand up so we can celebrate with you. That's awesome. Thank you, God. Would you stand to your feet? I just want to encourage you if you're a Christian. Maybe you're here today and you heard what I said about being lukewarm. It never hurts us to consider that question. Am I lukewarm? Have I become lukewarm in my relationship with God? What God wants is to set your heart on fire for him. And he will do that if you ask him. Maybe you even felt distant from him. Maybe you felt dry in your heart and you need God to pour out a fresh rain in your life to to anoint you again, to give you more of his Holy Spirit again. Maybe you don't even feel what you felt before, but would you just today start by saying, God, I need you. I want more of you. I don't wanna be lukewarm. I wanna be on fire for you. I wanna be a pleasant aroma to you, Lord. Just ask him right now just to touch you and to fill you again. We're not gonna live a consumeristic lifestyle as Christians looking to see what God can do for us. God wants to see what he can do through you when you get yourself out of the way and deny yourself 
and are ready to be used by Him. And He will do it if you respond to Him. Let's just do that right now. We're gonna lift our voices, we're gonna pray, we're gonna respond with a time of singing and declaring this truth, celebrating what God has done for us and what He's done in us. So come on, join me. We're gonna lift our voices to God if you're ready for Him to do something new in your life. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your life-changing power that comes through Jesus. Lord, we declare that you are good, that you are our King, and we can always rely on you, God. You are worthy of our praise. So we lift our voices to you, God. We sing your glory, and we will stand in your goodness forever. In Jesus' name, come on.